Oh, g'day there, and welcome to the rewrap for Thursday. All the best bits from the Mike Hosking breakfast on News Talk ZB in a sillier package. I am Glenn ZB, and uh, this morning marks 100 days that Auckland has been under quite severe uh, restrictions due to the COVID pandemic. So that's a milestone. Uh, but uh, we're, it's good riddance to MIQ, that's on the way out. But before any of that, oh yes, that's right, uh, 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 an even larger story today, can you believe? Um, the suicide of the National Party. This is a News Talk ZB developing story. And so it goes. The National MP Simon O'Connor, quote, One thing clear to me is that Judith Collins must resign. Her behaviour amounted to bullying and was damaging the party. He said the allegations had to be looked at, but the way the leadership has dealt with this is beyond appalling. He was surrendering his portfolios this morning. I cannot work with Judith Collins. That's Simon O'Connor. There's going to be more where that comes from, and the more we hear, the more we would seem to believe that Judith Collins is now toast. It's just a matter of a vote in the caucus as of 9 o'clock this morning. It's going to be that fabulous, this is a TV moment, it's going to be that fabulous behind the double wooden doors of Parliament, and you're waiting for the door to open, the door to open, the door to open, who walks out first? Who's the new leader? That's the walk. That's the famous walk. Is it going to be Simon Bridges? Is it going to be Mark Mitchell? Is it going to be Christopher Luxon? Would Christopher Luxon even take this seriously? It's now or never. Fortune favours the brave. I've thought about this morning, just to rule it out officially, I'm not standing. Uh, I got a text this morning asking if Barry Soper could do it. Barry would be good. Barry! 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 Um, and then, of course, it's time for everybody to play leadership a lotto uh, after that. Everybody's got a suggestion on what they think uh, should happen, might happen. Um, nobody seems to have suggested that the, that, that the whole caucus just walks off into the ocean. But Quickly on your feedback, what was Collins thinking? I can't believe how useless she has been. I was a fan, but she is toxic in her judgment, though. Uh, throughout her leadership has been terrible, but this is unbelievable. The unbelievable big finish her political career has done. Thank you, Bruce. I think Simon O'Connor says somebody else is married to Bridget's sister. Yes, he is. Uh, Collins, she knows she's toast. She's doing everything she can to uh, leave as big a mess as possible, putting herself in front of the party. Uh, Mike Erstwhile, Collins fan. First, the ludicrous housing accord, now castigating Bridges for a five-year-old non-event complaint. She should have stepped down. Mike, please, can you help me? Please, can you help me? Please, can you get me out of this mess from Judith Collins? Very good. Uh, Mark Mitchell for P. There's quite a bit of that going on this morning. Morning, Mike. I think the best leader would be Luxon. He doesn't carry any baggage. Even though he hasn't been there for long, he's a good speaker, calm and a good businessman. Not sure that makes a good political leader. Mike, this is good timing for the Nats. It means they can change leaders further out from the next election and get some certainty and stability so Labour can go on and um, see how unsettled uh, they become. Mike, this is good timing for the Nats. A lot of people saying that. Mike, I really hope Mark Mitchell emerges as the leader today. Collins has to go, but so does Goodfellow. Mike, I wonder if Collins knew what um, that she was gone today, took the action against Bridges to control who becomes her replacement. Mm, I don't see that. How about Chris Bishop, best by far, and so it goes. A big day ahead. We'll keep you posted every step of the way. Yeah, Mike's bloodlust is up. He He loves this. He can smell, he can smell it. You can smell carnage <laughs> on the caucus floor, uh, uh, but, but uh, anyway, yeah, this is this is the this is what the smell of that carnage sounds like. Uh, the Bridges demotion scandal. Why now? Pretty obvious. Collins hamstringing any competition for a job as leader. How? Explain to me how that. I, I don't. If, if you've got a person who's brooding, and then you go sack them, what are you going to do? They go, oh, you got me. Whoops, I'll go away quietly. Or are they going to pull the trigger? It's the latter. I don't see why she's done it. It makes 
literally no sense, especially once we get through, and we'll talk to Barry after 7 o'clock, once you find out what the comment is, and I don't know that we're going to publish the comment, but the comment, the comment is 1987-ish, isn't it? It's a 1987-type provincial comment that you would say potentially among a couple of blokes when they're talking about something and, you know, oh, what do you reckon? Oh, I reckon you should. It's got that feel about it. wasn't even directed at Jackie Dean at all. It was just she heard it in earshot, complained, English dealt with it. It's the weirdest thing. Anyway, Mike, unbelievable timing from Judith Collins. Labour have just passed some of the dodgiest legislation ever and the media are finally starting to slap them around, especially with the MIQ announcement. But guess what the lead story is today? National shooting themselves with it again. No one disagrees with you, mate. No one disagrees with you. I, I honestly suspect that Jacinda's still on the floor g- giggling with Neve, saying, Neve, can you believe how stupid they are? David Seymour, he's wetting his pants with excitement. They literally cannot get out of their own way. Can you have a v- vote of no confidence in the opposition? By, by yourself. They should have a vote of no confidence in themselves. It would almost pass unanimously. By the way, Simon Bridges is making a comment outside Parliament this morning at about a quarter past seven. We thought, I've been talking to him this morning. I said, is it ten past seven? He goes, no, it'll be about 7.15 by the time I get there. What's he Was he stopping for coffee and bagels or something? What's Maybe he doing? he's just waiting for the EV to charge. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, like if it was 98% charged, you would be tempted to just hang around to get it all the way up there, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? I would. I, I'm t- I, I, I don't think he drives an EV. Remember, because he doesn't he just commute from Darunga? Isn't that what he? Remember that time he drove all. Leave it alone, Glenn, and move on. Move on to uh, celebrating this wonderful anniversary. Do you know it's 100 days today? 100 days. 100 days since lockdown started. August 17. I was at the hairdresser. Ironically, little did I know what sort of impact was about to happen and what sort of impact would have on um, that particular industry. Message came through on Greg, my hairdresser's phone from his wife. I felt lucky initially. I thought, oh, I've got a haircut moments before lockdown. Last year, I was due in a couple of days before lockdown. So by the end of it, I looked like a wreck. I actually thought I looked quite good, but no one else agreed. Anyway, I, I get my haircut every three weeks. So after four weeks, it still looked OK. After six, I'd missed my first regular slot. It was OK, but not great. By eight weeks, it was trouble, and Katie stepped in with the scissors and did a pretty spectacular job, even if I do say so myself, a job that has, in fact, continued on an almost weekly basis. But while all that's been going on, Greg and his employees at the salon have gone nowhere. A hundred days closed. A third of your year. Other bits of the country came and went, of course. South got exercised, rightly so, over being COVID-free, yet locked in Level 3 and Level 2. Northland region came and went, as did Waikato. But Auckland got stuck with this one every single day, For 100 days. And as the spending figures Andrew gave us yesterday on the program showed, lockdowns are deadly for the economy. The great tragedy of this lockdown, though, and history will show it, is it wasn't or should not have been necessary. The vaccine should have been rolled out like other countries, and if they had been, we would have been jabbed before Delta arrived. Papers since release showed the government was still shuffling ideas about Delta between departments days after the virus had actually arrived in the country. Other papers also show Pfizer was keen to get cracking. We were asleep at the wheel. Six weeks went by before we met with them because we weren't ready. No money, no plan, no meeting, therefore no deal, therefore no vaccine in the amount that would have been needed. So even though we looked like, you know, at Australia and said, oh boy, when that gets here, we're in trouble, we still didn't do anything about it. And so it arrived. And so we got locked down, ill-prepared for 100 days and counting. One of the longest, toughest lockdowns anywhere ever. There remain a coward few, of course, who bought into the fear campaign and still argue this is all good news, but most of us don't. Some of us never did. 
but many more did but have since changed their minds because the realities hit them smack in the face. The longer this has gone, the more we know, and the more we know is the simple truth that the vaccine was the answer and we didn't have the answer. And so we did what we did when the vaccine wasn't even invented. Locked our doors and hoped. Acceptable in the early part of 2020, yes, when we had no choice. This time round, though, inexcusable. Yeah, so 100 days, it's funny, uh, it's a bit like uh, the original uh, Level 4 lockdown from last year. In fact, most of last year, where I feel like we've, we've all got this sort of group PTSD and we've blocked a lot of it out. And I already feel that way about... that. I can't remember the beginning of the 100 days very clearly. People talk about, you know, things that happened then and I've just sort of pushed it down and pushed it down and I'm sure that that's healthy. Uh, but at least uh, the MIQ system is on the way out and I think Mike's pretty pleased about that as well. Thank God it's officially coming to an end, eh? The misery and hopeless unfairness of MIQ. Of all the things inflicted upon New Zealanders, whether here or offshore, MIQ had to have the highest cruelty factor, didn't it? The random mad nature of a lottery system, and that was supposed to be the improvement on the even more mad and cruel refresh, refresh, refresh system complemented by the black market trade and bots and groups that gerrymandered the operation to get you a spot in the first place. So three stages, which I think is probably sensible. New Zealanders from Australia in January, New Zealanders from elsewhere in February, rest of the world by April. What will be interesting to see is what it does for the economy. How many expats are here to stay and therefore find a job and by doing so relieve the labour crisis? How many will buy a house, thereby stoking the market again? Counter that with how many of us are going to leave, knowing that they can return again? And then further afield from April, how many want to come and live? How many want to just come and see us for a while, i.e. boosting our tourism or maybe just breathing a bit of life into the tourism? Will a travel boom ensue or will travel rebuild slowly, given testing and delays? The upside, though, is this is finally coming to some sort of end. Far from over, of course. I mean, the traffic light system may well mean foreigners won't be interested in a lockdown country. Uh, we've got next winter and boosters to deal with, yet we are far from getting schooling sorted. We don't know whether the modellers and their mad predictions around hospitals and cases and ICUs will play out the way they claim. So lots yet to wash under the old COVID bridge, but the sheer freedom that the demise of MIQ brings cannot be overstated. The ability to genuinely have a plane trip as an option is a real thrill. You can go to Australia to see the family. The family can come and see you. The world has been doing this all year, of course, which has made our insane confinement seem even more unnecessary. Uh, there is much disappointment, of course, because it's not before Christmas. There is much disappointment that it doesn't really make any sense and we can't see why it isn't being done sooner. And as for self-ISO, what a waste of time for tourists until they drop it. But, but I mean, look at this lot. Look at the people making the decision. What else did you expect? It's the sort of decision you get from the inept. It's good news and a should-have-been-here-sooner, should-have-done-it-better sort of way. It's classic Labour. Got there eventually, just took a tornado of pressure, pain and outcry to finally do it. It is weird that they never seem to learn the lesson. But, I mean, they're not alone. This seems to be going on all over the world. That you know, people, And we've talked about this before. They come up with lots of people who have lots of suggestions that seem like reasonable suggestions and good ideas and sensible ways of doing things, and eventually that's what ends up happening. But there's a lot of people refusing to do those things in the, in the medium term, which prolongs everything. I just things would be different if I was in charge. It'd be oh, it'd be way worse. Don't get me wrong. And but at least there'd be uh, free pizza, beer, and bourbon for everyone. I'm Glenn ZB. Uh, that was the rewrap. Um, geez, I wonder what we'll be talking about tomorrow. See you there.